Hello and welcome to another episode of the Champions of Wellness podcast, the show for leaders focused on improving mental health and well-being in the workplace. We thank you so much for listening. I'm Alex Slack and with me is PJ Calkins. Thanks, Alex. Today's guest is a woman's health and pharmacy thought leader, Brooke Griffin. You two connected recently to talk about Brooke's work and insights on the current state of pharmacist mental health and well-being and what can be done to improve it. So without further ado, take it away, Alex. Today, I have pharmacist Brooke Griffin joining us today to give us some insights on mental wellness as it pertains to pharmacists and students of pharmacy. Brooke is currently a professor and vice chair of pharmacy practice at Midwestern University College of Pharmacy at the Downers Grove campus. She serves as faculty mentor through AACP's pharmacy practice and women faculty special interest groups. And she also is the creator of 21stCenturyPharmD.com website, which is an online platform for personal and professional development tools for pharmacy students, new graduates, and pharmacists. And she's also, if that wasn't enough, she is a blog contributor for PharmacistMomsGroup.com. Welcome, Brooke. So great to have you with us today. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. Oh, me too. I'd like to start off with your work as a blog contributor for pharmacist contributor for the PharmacistMomsGroup.com. Now, when I looked into it more, my first thought was, oh my God, I have to get my sister on this. So my big sister is a pharmacist. She has two children. Oh, pharmacy is near and dear to my heart, even though I'm not in pharmacy. I don't, I don't have the calculus brain for it, but my family is. And I saw that group and I thought, wow, what an engaged group. You have something like 35,000 members on there. I think I read. It's just an amazing feat. But as I read about it, I started to think backwards a little bit to really a bigger question. Is there something missing in the pharmacy uh, profession that would lead to this need for a group like this? Why is this group so necessary and why is it so successful? Great questions, Alex. I think that is just completely wild about your sister. And my first guess would be that she's probably already in the group. (laughs) That's probably true. I should check with her after this. Yeah, so it was started by pharmacist Susie Solomon, who was uh, worked in various areas of pharmacy, and then one night found herself just feeling sad about missing her child's softball game, and felt I can't like I can't be the only one with feeling this dichotomy of wanting to contribute to my profession and put in 100% there, and also want to be a hands-on mom and put in 100% there, and then feel upset at both places and uh, not stable about having both feeling the pull of both of these uh, areas of our lives. And sure enough, when she posted something on Facebook about it to express her feelings and then started a very small Facebook group, it grew from 10 to 50 to 100 to 1,000 very quickly. There are lots of pharmacy organizations out there, but what pharmacists are looking for is content that is meaningful to them in the moment. And there's a lot of talk in the pharmacy profession about provider status and uh, vaccination and frontline pharmacists. All of that is critically important. But that personal and professional development piece, which is what I found as well, is that is the gap that we have in pharmacy. People are just craving different types of content than what we're used to seeing at professional conferences. Wow. And, you know, I... 
have to say, this seems like it's a, a great group. And one thing I, w- I was thinking of is, is there a dad's group? I mean, I have to, I have to ask just because my father's also a pharmacist. So just quick question. Is there a dad's group out there? I, I have heard that there might be a dad's group, but I, I can't confirm that. Okay. If there's not, we'll start one, right? Yeah. Your dad might be in one. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe, but I, one thing I wanted to ask is you've been a guest on several podcasts as well as hosting your own podcast. You're a fellow podcaster. So great to have you. Um, you mentioned that pharmacy moms don't get the microphone enough. And so I wanted to ask you, it seems like they're either not reaching out or taking control. And I assume that's the case for a lot of professions, not just the pharmacy profession. So what do working mothers need to do to get that microphone? Yeah, great question. What we're seeking is a sense of community, a place where we can feel comfortable speaking into the microphone, where we have time to speak into the microphone, a venue to even have a microphone. A lot of pharmacists don't feel quite at home with certain pharmacy organizations. We have so many, yet nobody's really meeting the needs of the uh, average community pharmacist uh, working a lot of hours per week, uh, several different types of shifts. So they're missing a lot of that family home time. And to be able to create a space where people can talk about their stressors, and sometimes it's venting, and sometimes it's idea sharing, and sometimes it's networking, and sometimes it's really funny stuff. It's a mixture of all the above, but whatever it is, it's working. So kudos to Susie for starting all of this. Well, in one of your blogs, you referenced there was a panelist, and I think I have this right. um, It was the enhancing well-being and resilience among the pharmacist workforce. There was a conference, and you described this one panelist's bravery for coming forward and giving this very powerful tell-all about the hardships of pharmacy. And I love this line she ended with. She said, am I proud to be a pharmacist to serve my community and impact healthcare?" Absolutely. But my well-being, our well-being is at stake. Can you describe to our listeners some of the unique stressors associated with pharmacy? Wow, I just got goosebumps hearing that again. She was such a powerful speaker and she was really brave to take that microphone. She, We had a venue finally for someone to get up there and speak about their day-to-day experiences. And she She talked about how a lot of the shifts in community pharmacy are 10 to 12 hour shifts without any overlap. Uh, So that means that you're handing off to the next pharmacist who's coming on for their shift, but you don't have that one to two hour overlap to kind of help each other out, help through the queue, um, problem solve, get through the issues of the day. So it's really uh, you're an N of one with your team of technicians, and sometimes that is even scant. And you're working the drive-through, you're working the in-window, you're working the out-window. The three phones are ringing. There's patients lining up. They want to get vaccinated. They want their prescriptions yesterday. There's metrics that corporations have um, tied the pharmacist workflow to that not all pharmacists understand the why behind that. So it's, it's, it's hard to kind of slug through the day without a bathroom break, without a lunch break. Um, thankfully, and partly to the help of um, Susie's work, we've been able to, uh, pharma- corporations have started to incorporate lunch breaks back into uh, community pharmacy, which has helped. But you know that when you're coming back from your lunch break, you're going to be putting out the fires. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to be. And she very bravely talked about this most recent shift of filling 500 prescriptions, eating her salad on the floor of the pharmacy while her technician answered the phone. 
And it really just shines a light on uh, a really dark place in pharmacy because it's it's a special place. And this is why a lot of us go into pharmacy in the first place is because we saw firsthand as students and technicians the, the powerful connections we have with patients. And by just spending a little bit of time with them and helping them understand their medicines or getting access via lower costs or arranging their pillbox in a certain way, we see the light bulb and we see that connection and we see the power, the power behind that. So that's what's special about community pharmacy. And unfortunately, there's a dark shadow of, of the working conditions. And I remember when my my father's retired now, but he worked in retail pharmacy for years, decades even. And I remember him just coming home and he was just had like death in his face. He was just so bogged down that it just it wore at him because he was standing for very long periods of time. He had to he didn't even have a chance to have water with him when he was dealing with what he had to deal with day by day. And, you know, obviously the retail side differs a lot from the hospital side is you almost are running a business, it seems, uh, versus being in, in a hospital. So I, I recall that even just that ripple effect that you have when you come home from those experiences and the connections that you make at home with your family, with your friends, it does have a ripple effect. Absolutely. It impacts the home life greatly. And a lot of pharmacists, especially when you are asked to fill a certain number of prescriptions per hour, you're worried about making a mistake. I mean, you are the final checkpoint before that medication gets home. So you you want to be at the top of your game and you want to be firing on all cylinders. And there's a lot of distractions that take you away from that, uh, those the critical thinking moments. Mm-hmm. And as you probably already know, there's a thing called the pandemic, uh, in case you didn't know. Uh, it definitely put a spotlight on the mental wellness and physical wellness um, of healthcare professionals. And have you noticed that have pharmacists been given a bigger spotlight because of the pandemic as well? Or are you still feel like, like you're fighting to be heard? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the business of pharmacy still needs a facelift. I mean, we're still facing really poor reimbursements from uh, manufacturers and kind of the distributors that that um, that reimburse pharmacies for the products. So we're still kind of fighting that battle. At the same time, we're kind of in the spotlight because we're vaccinators, we're mm-hmm. immunizers. Mm-hmm. So, and we need a lot of those right now. And so we're it's we're kind of having the spotlight for that reason. But there's still a lot to be fixed with community pharmacy practice. Mm-hmm. Have you felt there's been a feeling, I think, among healthcare professionals, even though everyone is severely stressed out right now, there's that collaborative feeling where people feel like they're they're coming together and they're working at something together. Is that harder with pharmacists? Because like you mentioned, you're often, it's just one pharmacy with a bunch of techs. I mean, have they felt that same collaborative feeling of we're all in this together or is it different? I think group groups like Susie's Facebook group has definitely helped with that because for a lot of pharmacists who are working alone in their store, you do feel siloed and you do feel separated. You're not in a hospital department where you can commiserate with other people who are working the same shift as you. So I think that's also very telling why her Facebook group grew so large because people were able to uh, have that connection with people that know exactly what they're going through. 
Now you're the creator of 21stCenturyFarmMD.com and don't worry to all of you, I will put that in the show notes. You don't have to write that down. It's a great resource for pharmacists and pharmacists-to-be. Can you give us a breakdown of how this got started and the results or accomplishments that you've seen from it? Sure. Yeah, I've been in academia for almost 20 years. I've worked with students that in the entire time. And about two years ago, I was working with a group of students uh, over a series of several months before their graduation date. So this is the year you probably remember from your sister. They were out on rotations. And so you're almost ready to graduate and you're entering the real world. And as I was meeting with these students and we started to have career development conversations and talking about life after graduation, it was very apparent that They were very nervous about it and they didn't feel ready. Now, we offer professional development in our curriculum. All pharmacy schools are required to. And and I know we do a great job at it. So what was missing? And so I looked for a place to direct these students to to give them the tools that they wanted on personal branding and networking and LinkedIn tips and um, mindsets and all the things that we read about in Harvard Business Review and Forbes. and, And I couldn't find a resource. So I thought, well, I'll just... Great one. So I started with just a simple weekly blog on talking about some of these concepts. And then I started a Facebook group. Um, And then the podcast came around because I started interacting with all these students who had really inspiring stories. And they just started coming out of the woodwork saying, well, I overcame this challenge and I think it would be inspirational for other students to hear it. And, And they were. And each story was better than the next. So I have loved being a podcaster. It has just introduced me to this whole other world and allowed me to connect with all types of pharmacists and students. Yeah, it's it's really a magical moment when you're listening to stories and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is this is terrible. But then something emerges from that and then you realize it's it's so helpful and other people find that to be helpful and it just builds and builds. So I, I thank you again for doing that podcast. I'm sure lots of pharmacists appreciate it. All right. Time for some tough questions, Brooke. They're not that bad. I promise. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) So there are some great resources out there for pharmacists. You know, you obviously being part of several of them, but what kind of larger cultural or environmental changes are needed to support the current and up and coming pharmacists? Great question. I think as much as we can do here on the ground level, grassroots, building these Facebook groups, starting the conversation amongst ourselves, I think the more leadership can get involved and starting that conversation within their own departments, within their own teams, I think that's going to be the key. And we saw that at Midwestern. It wasn't until 2018 when wellness topics started coming up at our annual meetings for faculty that our dean said, okay, wait a second. There were several keynote sessions at the conference about wellness. Is that an issue here with our people? And let's get a task force together to kind of like sort that out and figure that out. So I really thank her for starting the conversation and it allowed us to initiate a lot of wellness initiatives at Midwestern. And I think really set us up nicely during the pandemic because this was all pre-COVID. So we had a lot of things in place already and we weren't scrambling to think about well-being in the middle of a pandemic. Things were already kind of in flow. Um, so I think the more leaders can start that conversation, even just by asking their team, is, is wellness an issue here? Is well-being an issue here? Now, we all know the answer is yes. But to hear our leaders say that and to start that conversation, that's, that's powerful. What is the impact you think that if these programs get initiated at, you know, here, there, and everywhere, what is the impact you're hoping to see for pharmacy well-being? 
Yeah, great. Uh, great question. And it's actually the same answer as to why power podcasts are so powerful and why these Facebook groups are so powerful. It's that sense of community and that feeling of I'm not alone. Somebody else went through this and they're surviving or they've got an inspirational story to share. And they shared something that I thought I was the only one experiencing. That's the same thing. When we do these uh uh, learning groups or uh, even just simple social hours or breakfast or lunches on campus and people just start communicating about the stress of the day, you realize you're not the only one who's swamped in a quarter full of teaching and grading you can't finish. Everybody is in the same boat. So it that's really the power behind it. Now, you've talked to a lot of different people through your own podcast, your work at 21st Century Farm MD. Now, has there been any specific stories or guests that have told you something that's just stuck with you that you just couldn't get out of your head and you would like to share with our listeners? Sure. Yeah, there was a story of a student who wanted to be a pharmacist her entire life, started working at a community store, probably age 16, 17 uh, got accepted into pharmacy school and week one, her mom passes away. Mm. And she tried to get through the semester and just realized she couldn't. She had to take a leave of absence. So the college was about an hour away. So she moved back home and uh, went back to work as a pharmacy technician for about eight years and kept reapplying to pharmacy school, reapplying, reapplying and getting those rejection letters every two years or whenever she would get up the courage to apply again. And then finally, a new pharmacy school opened closer to her hometown. And they accepted her and she is, she's almost about to graduate and she's going to fulfill her dream of being a pharmacist. And it's just that perseverance is, I just, yeah, her story was remarkable. What's something that you often find yourself repeating to pharmacy students? So they're about, maybe they're about to graduate. They're not really sure if they're going to enjoy the job, if it's going to be as fulfilling as they thought it was going to be. What are those pearls of wisdom that you usually pass along to them? I usually say uh, definitely get a LinkedIn profile, (laughs) 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 network and uh, connect with as many people as you can, because your next opportunity, I heard this once from somebody, your next opportunity is not going to be a random ad on Indeed. It's going to be connected to a person. So the more people we're connected to, the more likely you'll have another opportunity and just be open to what's next in pharmacy, because what we've been trained to do to this point is probably not what our profession is going to look like in the next 20 to 30 years. So if we stay open to that change and not resistant to that change, and I think sometimes we see that in pharmacy where we're so used to being the main dispensers of medication and we Mm -hmm. want to hold on to that as much as we can, because we we feel security in that. And we're being told now that there's not a lot of security in being the dispenser anymore. So we have to find new creative roles in pharmacy. So if we're open to that and not resistant to that, then um, then we'll win. What type of responsibility do you think that the employer has to support their pharmacists? Because it sounds like, again, there's these really good resources. You provide this great advice to connect with other people, find those different outlets. But what responsibility do you think that the organization, maybe it is the hospital, maybe it's the retail um, boss, what, what's their responsibility to help support pharmacy well-being? I think, number one, you just have to keep reminding that it's people first. 
as much as we know that healthcare is a business, pharmacy is a business, we know there's a bottom line, but the more you can remind people that that they come first and really show that with, with your actions. And that also comes into play when you think about transparency. The more you, that you can communicate what change is coming down the line, um, include them in some what, as many decisions as you possibly can to make them feel part of the solution, they may come up with something that might be better than what you thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, Brooke, I have one question, last question for you here. What are the qualities that make up or should make up a champion of pharmacy well-being? And what are those next steps that someone who's ready to take the reins and lead the charge to improve well-being, what are those next steps? Number one, get a team. Don't do it alone. Uh, you know, the, the being a champion of, of wellness, it's it is a lot of responsibility and you'll find that people will come at you with a lot of different requests and everyone's idea of wellness is very different. So you'll want to satisfy all those needs. And so you'll need a team to help uh, implement all of those changes and then involve as many people as you can. So if it's focus groups or surveys to get an idea of what people are interested in, so you can target your interventions to meet their needs. Those would be my two recommendations for next steps. Ah. You have been absolutely wonderful, Brooke. Uh, I'd like to thank Brooke again for joining us today. It sounds like you got your work cut out for you as you continue to focus on pharmacy well-being and we continue to find our way out of the pandemic. So I appreciate your efforts and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Alex. Say hi to your sister and your dad for me. Will do. All right. That was an awesome conversation. Alex, I love Brooke's tips there at the end because they work not only within the pharmacy industry, but I really feel they can be applied throughout all industries. And and the main tip for me was involve the staff. Get the people around you involved in the process of creating, implementing, and improving that company culture around wellness and well-being. You know, somewhere along that line, Especially, it's going to work better if it's early on, the team, the faculty, the people, they need to be part of that, creating those solutions that deliver those positive outcomes. Exactly, PJ. And like Brooke mentioned, you've got to get those conversations on the ground. You have to get that task force gathered, get that peer support involved, provide those helpful resources, even just ask your team and listen. That is the key here. Pharmacists need that sense of community that Brooke spoke to here. Once they know their experiences are common, the more momentum that conversation on wellness will have. And when you think about it, pharmacy, it's so interesting. I know I'm in it a lot because I have my immediate family is in pharmacy, but it's it's such an interesting and special area in the medical field where pharmacists are so easily siloed because there's this business aspect, this pressure, especially in retail pharmacy with these crazy conditions. I mean, you heard her talk about, she mentioned the pharmacist eating her salad on the floor behind the counter. And I mean, that just shocks you a little bit to your core when you really think about it. And, you know, pharmacists, you are the last line of defense when putting that medication in the hands of the people and you have to be on top of your game. I mean, PJ, you could kill someone by giving them the wrong medication. So do you want somebody so burnt out, so bogged down, not even being able to take 
bathroom breaks? Do you want that person handing you the medication that could either save your life or kill you? So that that's the last thing you want. So it is just crucial. It's a crucial step in the process in this pharmacy position in the medical field that you keep those pharmacists well-being as top-notch, as good as you can, because there could really be some disastrous effects. Yeah, it's it's incredible the pressures that uh, the pharmacy industry is under, and like you said, they're they're kind of siloed and and on their own, and and that kind of plays into more of the you know the need that they probably have. It's they don't have a coworker that understands them exactly, right. working alongside them, and they're on an island and they're kind of dealing with it all themselves. Right. So be nice to your pharmacist when you go pick up your prescription. (laughs) But thank you again, Dr. Brooke Griffin, for joining us on that conversation. Please check out the show notes at championsofwellness.com for more information on pharmacy well-being. For even more content focused on improving mental health and well-being in the workplace, visit our website and create your free account to get access to the Champions of Wellness video library, quarterly publication, blog, and more. Become a champion today and join us in leading the way to well-being. And subscribe to our podcast and follow Champions of Wellness on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.